0: How many times in your life have you been moved to tears? Some people are thinking, let's see, it was like 10 years ago, once. And some of you are asking, like, how many times was I moved to tears today? Right? Some of you are wondering, does it count if I was moved to tears when there was a reunion of a military personnel with his family or her family during halftime of a football game. Does that count? Yeah, that that would count too, being moved to tears by those videos. What was it that moved you to tears? Yeah, there are different reasons, I suppose. Excuse me, I'm trying to adjust this a little bit. That might be better. There are different reasons, I suppose, we'd be moved to tears. There's some, some reasons we don't want to think about, like pain. Pain can move us to tears. Let's just, let's just set that aside. We don't want to think about that kind. Um, joy. There are tears of joy, right? When you win the trophy you worked so hard for. Maybe you'll win the lottery you didn't work at all for. Maybe you'll win the hand or win the tr- <clears throat> trust. <clears throat> Of someone you care deeply for. And tears of joy will flow. And then there are tears of loss. Those are the worst kind. There's, a, there's the loss of something or someone who was part of your life in the past and now you've lost that. Or, or the tears that come from the loss of thinking of someone for the future and something or someone and won't be there for the future And I think probably the worst tears of loss are the combination of something or someone who was there in the past and and now is gone and you you counted on for the future and now won't be there. Tears of loss. Well, you're not alone. Jesus shed tears also. The Bible records two times when Jesus shed tears. Remember one of them? You don't get to preach a sermon, that's enough, yeah. <clears throat> the, the death of his friend Lazarus, the guy had died. And uh, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Everybody wants that for a confirmation verse, huh? We don't give it to you, but it's... That's one, and the other time that uh, we hear of Jesus moved to tears is here in Luke 19. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city... you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Well, what moved Jesus to tears 2,000 years ago? The same thing that moves you to tears. Loss. Loss. Jesus looked at people and he knew what they were losing. He was moved to tears because he saw people who who were observing a Sabbath day, for example. A day of rest. But they were ignoring the rest he was bringing and all those Sabbath days were just pictures of what he would do. He he saw people who were bringing sacrifices to the temple. All little pictures of the sacrifice Jesus would make, but They were ignoring him. He saw people all wrapped up in everything they were doing and ignoring or rejecting everything Jesus was doing. In their mind, their religion was all that they did. The stuff we do, not the stuff Jesus was doing. Jesus saw what they were going to lose. Without his payment for their sin, the payment would rest on them. And they would lose everything he was there to win for them. And he wept. He saw what was coming because they they were ignoring what he was warning them about. Jesus looked ahead and saw that the Devastation that was coming from a Roman army. Did you hear the words that Jesus used to describe that? Um, He saw. He said something about they'll build an embankment, you know, so they can drive their tanks right up into your city, encircling you, dashing you to the ground, violent devastation on your children. War is always tough on children not leaving one stone on another. For three years, Jesus said, I've warned you about this. Trust me, and you would have nothing to do with it. And now Jesus was looking ahead because 40 years later, the Roman emperor Titus would give the command for soldiers to do just that in Jerusalem. See, Jesus is God. So he could look ahead for decades and see what was coming. That's why he wept. Not just that they died. I mean, everyone would die. Everyone in the world, every time everybody, Jesus saw anyone, Jesus saw people who would die. That's not why he wept. But they would die without him. And without him, without trusting him, they wouldn't have the life Jesus had come to win for them forever. After this life, they would only have—they would only have hell. And so Jesus wept. He was moved to tears by that loss. What about today? What if Jesus were to come to our city today? Would he be moved to tears? Now this is. Purely hypothetical, right? Because Jesus did what he did 2,000 years ago. He's not coming to do it again. He doesn't have to. But what if 2,000 years ago were today and Jesus were coming to our city? What would he see? Do you think he'd look around and say, man, those people, they got it together. They really, they really nailed it. I don't think so. I think he'd look around and he'd say, those people are so wrapped up in everything they're doing and ignoring what I'm here to do for them. For those people, their religion is all about what they're doing. They really don't have much interest at all in what I'm doing for them. An anthropologist named Joseph Tainter wrote a book uh, called the collapse of complex societies it's an anthropology um, textbook and the collapse of complex societies and he traces reasons that societies throughout history have collapsed and uh, actually it's quite a field There, there are a lot of books with similar titles and they're they're really interesting reads I know in our modern minds we like to think, oh, come on, yeah, I know Greek, Roman, Akkadian, Sumerian. I know all those societies collapse for one reason or other, but come on, that's ancient history. That could never happen to us. But then you read these analyses, the collapse of complex societies, and you, you, at least you're hit with a possibility. I guess maybe our society won't be here forever either. And that's what anthropologists do, you know, they, they connect the dots of what happened then that led to this, and, and maybe they help us take a look at what's happening now and could lead to this. <clears throat> it's not a happy book, right? You don't, don't read it for giggles. But that doesn't mean there aren't parts of it that couldn't be true. Jesus wept because he saw people in his day who ignored the warning he gave them. Jesus would weep today to see people who would ignore the warning he gives. As if, well, we can do whatever we want with whatever we want and be however we want. We're all going to be okay. And Jesus would weep. Um, I read something, uh, I don't know how reliable this survey was, so don't you know, don't quote me on it. Um, well, you can quote me, but I'm not giving you a source, so it doesn't do any good. Uh, that 75% of Americans still think Sunday is a special day. I read that and I thought, well, that's, that's very encouraging. And then I kept reading. And the report said, and a third of those said, it's a special day because it's a great day for shopping. And a thir- another third said, it's a great day because it's a good day to do absolutely nothing. Which, you know, it doesn't leave many, it doesn't leave much of the slice of the pie left of people who say it's a great time to be fed with the message of Jesus be fed with his body and blood for my forgiveness and the strengthening of my faith, to encourage others. And that's what Jesus would see if he were to come back and do what he did then, only do it today. And not to throw our our culture and society under the bus, it's us too, um, the church. There was a study done of Canadian clergy we will throw the Canadians under the bus. The divorce rate among Canadian clergy is higher than the general population. A woman came to our church, a guest recently, and she said, I'd like to come back. There's something different here. I'd like to explore it more. Because, she said, the church I go to now, which is in our area and actually bears our name, Lutheran, not our denomination of Lutheran, but it bears the name Lutheran. Because the church I go to, the church where I go to now, the pastor said she doesn't believe in the God of the Bible. I'm not sure I want to keep going there. And that's what Jesus would see if he came back today. Wasn't that kind of fun? It's kind of interesting to take what happened here and imagine if Jesus were to come back today what that might look like it's kind of fun but it's just hypothetical how about we make this real and bring it home here and and we'll wrap it up with this what if Jesus came today what what does he see in me what does he see in me And I can't speak for any of you because I don't know what's in you. I can only speak for me. And I know what he'd see in me as someone who says sometimes what I want matters more than what he wants. I know what he'd see in me as a person who says sometimes what I think is more important than what he says. What I do is more important than what he did. So what would Jesus do? If Jesus were to see that in me, what would he do? Well, we know what he'd do, because he did it. Not weep. He wouldn't weep. You see, Jesus is done with that. He's completed his humiliation. He's no longer set aside his power as God. He's now risen, ascended. He's Lord over all. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's controlling all things for your good, brother or sister in Christ. He's victorious. He's alive, right? He's not weeping. He's not weeping over anything. But you know what he'd do? He'd say, come enjoy what I won for you. Not weeping, but rejoicing. Because even though I'm fallen, he isn't. That's sort of the whole point of it come enjoy what I've done for you. And because Jesus resolutely was bound and determined, set his face and went to Jerusalem, he could say, come enjoy what I won for you. Jesus fixed his eyes on the cross and he went there. Because Jesus fixed his eyes on the cross, now he invites you and me in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He fixed his eyes on the cross. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You read the collapse of complex societies. You could lose heart. But then you read here. Jesus not weeping over you. Jesus rejoicing over you. For all that he's won for you. Because he was crossbound. Let's thank him for that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your steady gaze to the cross. You resolutely set out to do what you came here to do, to be the sacrifice for sin, to live the life we could not live, and by your resurrection to free us from all evil and even death. Let us fix our eyes on you. Help us do that. And enjoy your invitation. Rejoice for your gift of salvation. We join in Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.